Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo Decoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestion, Endo Aligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeca Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeca Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. It's 3 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. Thanks for tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. Today, we are joined by Tommy Chong. Hey, Tommy. Hey. Thanks Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for, yeah, he's great. Question, sir. This, this is early morning for all of us. Uh, Michael wanted me to ask, uh, you know, we're going to play that game, uh, Kill, Marry, or Fuck. We're going to play uh, Smoke, uh, Poop, or Coffee. Like, what's the first thing Tommy Chong does in the morning? Uh, first thing I do, I walk the dog. Oh, cardio. What's that? Well, no, no, very first thing I, I have a shower, you know, I go try to find my phone and then, then I try to try to find out if my hearing aids are working right. Uh, I clean them now. I learned how, you know, I kept uh, trying to buy new ones. <laughs> and, and then my son told me, no, no, here. He gets a toothpick and he cleans them out for me. That's what yeah. I do first thing in the morning. And then I, uh, then what do I, oh, I go make breakfast. I make my own breakfast. What's a Tommy Chong uh, breakfast? Tommy Chong breakfast? It's, uh, well, my daughter, Ray Dawn, makes granola. She, she makes a nice batch of granola for me. And then I mix that in with my oatmeal. And I use uh, almond milk or oat oat milk, and uh, oh, and then I add pomegranate seeds oh. to the breakfast. Nice. Yeah, I, I learned on the see, I learned a lot of useful information. I learned how to uh, to uh, get the the seeds without making a big mess. Mm. You, you do you do it under water. You get a big basin full of water, cold water. And then you break them open, and then then all the the bad stuff floats to the top, and the good stuff stays at the bottom. And so that's what I would do. That's my breakfast. Oh, and like to a... drink. Oh, and to drink. I uh, my <laughs> my wife makes coffee for herself, but she always leaves a little bit. And because I I'm not really supposed to drink coffee, I mix the coffee with uh, with my oat milk uh, oat milk put it in their fridge and now I got iced coffee for later. 
So that's that's my day. <laughs> nice. That sounds like a wonderful day. You know, I was going to ask you a question. Is that about as healthy as your day starts? Uh, probably. Yeah. 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 I've been. Well, we've both been on this vegan diet, you know, and uh, it's good, except every once in a while, I like to stray from the diet and eat some greasy fried food. (laughs) Well, I imagine this has always been like your part of your routine, because to most people's surprise, you you're a weightlifter. You're 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 you 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 and uh, Mr. Marine have always been like working out on the road like. Everybody yep. has this vision of rock stars and everything, but you're just a dude that went out, worked out the why, and uh, yep. what was your max bench? Oh, I, I was never a good bench presser because I got my arms are too long. <laughs> you know, I, I got, I got, <laughs> look at that, I, my arms go forever. In fact, I was described as, oh, the guy with the long arms. <laughs> That's awesome. But, uh, but I, I, I finally got up to incline benches with the barbells mm. i got up to about 50 close to 60 pounds in each hand you know okay. for, for reps for reps that's pretty decent barbells your thing though like the freestyle weights yeah yeah the bar uh, dumbbells or barbells i, I, I don't yeah. know what, but the, the single one in each hand you know um <laughs> but my 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 focus when I when I weightlift uh, was my legs because I always had uh, skinny, undeveloped legs. Well, well Tom, so, just because your legs are also too long, do your legs match your arms? So, like, yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, the thing. But I mean, for for looking at it, you know, uh, for a long time, I, I was it was I would I would never wear short pants into the gym, you know, because because. <laughs> Because I would get teased a lot by the, by the big guys, you know. I feel you. I was told I, was told I had chicken legs. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what they call you. <laughs> <laughs> guys are cool but, in the gym, man. But I invented a, 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 a gym to work my. I started skiing late in night, late in life. You know, in my, I was in my sixties when I learned how to ski. Uh, but I couldn't do moguls. Moguls scared me, and so uh, because of my skinny legs, and so I, I invented this uh, this uh, uh, leg machine that uh, it's it really is a, a skateboard strung between uh, four springs on a frame, and and you can bounce, and you can emulate uh, the moguls, and so you know you can crouch down, and then you can really work your knees. And your calves, yeah. and so, so I, I I work on that at least two 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 three times a week, and uh, yeah, my legs my legs are pretty pretty nice now. Uh, like, they're not embarrassing. They're not embarrassing. But this is a, a Tommy <laughs> Vogel uh, a device that you like invented, right? Yeah, yeah. I I'm an inventor. I, I well, you know, I, I grew up in a uh, very poor on a on not really a farm, but it was out in the farm area, you know. Mm. And so, uh, <clears throat> from the time you can walk, when you live on a farm, you're carrying something, <laughs> you know. It's your job, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you you got to carry out. something, and, and you got to carry it from one place to another. <laughs> and Tom- so. Uh, yeah, so uh, I uh, 
and and then if you want toys, you have to make your own toys. You know, you might have a picture to copy, but you sure don't have a toy store. And so, uh, so I started carving my own. Like back in the day when I was a kid, guns were very popular. Six shooters, cowboys, you know, Indians, kind of stuff. Cowboys and Indians, and and, uh, and so I used to carve my own weapons. And, and then when sword fighting come in, I used to carve my own swords. <laughs> That's awesome. And so I still, I, I, I still carve now. Hmm? Oh, neat. Holy crap. That's awesome. Well, you're a man of so many talents. Yeah. Look at the musical instrument. Did you have to make your own musical instrument first as a farm boy? Or how did you? Uh, but no, what you, what you had to do as a farm boy, you had to play what you got. You know, and, and my mom, when she was pregnant with me, she bought uh, this cheap Sears guitar, and uh, and I still got it. I had to put it back together again. It was uh, crumbled under years. But uh, no, the only thing you could you bought, you had to buy, you couldn't make was guitar strings. Wow. And and so when you broke your E string, it might be months. Before you got a, another E string, and when you got an E string, we had to go downtown, a special trip about 20, 30 miles, you know, and then find uh, it was a music store, and it was yeah, it was a music store, and then I would buy one E string, <laughs> a high E, right? Oh one, yeah, just one, just yeah. one, and then then you know because of the property, we learned how to. Uh, uh, strip the to to make a a, a real pliable uh, uh, third string. You know the G. Mm. We we would un, unwind uh, an A string to make a, to get that wire. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we 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 had to do a lot of things when we were kids. Did, uh, oh, grew- wow. Did popping that high E string, and then you know you you mentioned that 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 like had you do something to the G string. Were you learning more of the instrument because you had to uh, make do oh, with what you had? Totally, totally. I mean, for the longest time, uh, you know, I really didn't know how to tune a guitar, you know. I, I, and then I learned. I learned the, the hard way, <laughs> you know. The, and, and because, oh, shit. you know, that, that's the way, that's way life was back in the day. And and, <laughs> and that was the only, only uh, uh, really love that i had at that time you know because that's one thing i I always tell my kids about music music will get help you get over heartbreak you know (laughs) Uh, a lot of things you know like when your girl breaks up with you or or she won't talk to you or something then you grab the guitar and then go write a song or or you know go sit and just learn do scales or something yeah girl with boy and then taylor swift with you every song she's done <laughs> oh I, i'm sorry i have to dump you i need another gold album yeah, oh, yeah I get it. how many instruments do you play uh, uh sir how many instruments yeah uh, uh a little bass actually not too bad i'm not too bad on bass uh this is the same as guitar only bigger strings and on less sure. strings um uh i 
dick around with drums. I'm not. I, I'm not a drummer mm. on on purpose because if you can show you can drum, that's your job, dude. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. That's no. unless, you, unless you quit the band. Uh, no, just guitar, a little bit of harmonica. Yeah, I I, 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 I was going to do a Dylan in, in my life one time, but I, I never really got past the first song. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little ADD too, you know. Right on. So, so no piano though. Like, I, you're more of a string guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my, my very first instrument was a uh, an accordion, twelve uh, bass accordion, because it was my cousin's. Oh, wow. See, see, here's the thing with me. I never owned any uh, any instruments. I think uh, I was what some sixteen. 16 before we, we uh, 17, when we bought my, I bought my first guitar that I actually owned. Everything wow. else was, was borrowed. Hey man, let me borrow the guitar. <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> that's what it was. Because oh, I, I, back in the day, we never, there was no ownership of anything really, mm. you know, uh, because you're, you're, you're so poor, you know, you had the guitar. <laughs> wow. You know? Was it yeah. in your when you were growing up so poor? Because you know that's the thing I think people don't understand about you as well. The, m- the more research I did about you, you you're a brilliant businessman too. Like you're under because you've been famous all my life. Like 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 yeah. I grew up with Big Bamboo in my in my house with my mom, a single mom, and all this stuff. But uh, you know you were a businessman. Like you you had that uh, the hit with, back in the day with R and B Motown when you you were there, uh, but also. The, the place, the, 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 the burlesque strip club that you, you have owned, yeah. Yeah. that was property you owned, though. It wasn't, was that your intention to have that strip club, or was it just I had property, and then you went on tour, and the parents turned into the No, what happened, I, I've always been blessed. Uh, and the, way, the reason I was blessed is that I, I, I found uh, the power of prayer real early in my life, and, and that, that's what really that's what's taking me to where I am now. And, and, it, and it wasn't one of those either, or, you know, like, I, I think I, I think I, I think I'm ready for some enlightenment now, you know, it, it was their only entertainment. When, when you're a kid and you're poor church, sometimes is the only time you dress up and, and, and you got anywhere to go where people really care, you know? <laughs> and, and, and uh, the only thing yeah, you had to bring 15, 20 cents for the collection plate, you know, because you didn't want to be embarrassed. Uh, yeah, so so that, that it was the power of prayer. I went to Bible camp when I was uh, eight years old, seven, eight years old, and, uh, and it really stuck because I was young enough that there was not, you know, they, they had that other dogma, you know, that, uh, you know, <laughs> that Jesus is some kind of Superman, you know, you know. Uh, uh, they had that. They had that. What was the name of the church? uh, I don't know. I think it was uh, just a Presbyterian, some kind of Presbyterian. It wasn't no, you know, Southern kind of Baptist thing. Mm -hmm. It was a Canadian. uh, Yeah, it was some kind of Christian. uh, I don't know. Uh, What happened, you know, Back in the in, in the day, you know, missionaries they took their job serious, mm-hmm. you know, and so uh, we were 
like I say, growing up in the country, you know, we're like shirtless and yeah, no, we barely had pants on, you know, and that was uh, a conscious effort on, on my mother's part because back then you had to wash everything by hand. Oh man. You know? Yeah. That's and like so, mother's so right now is laundry, laundry, laundry. And yeah. Think about it back in then you think laundry is a problem now. Oh my. Yeah. Can you imagine? No. Uh, not only do it by hand, but you had to pump the water. You had to carry the water. You had to heat oh the God. water. You heat the water. Then you had to scrub the clothes by hand with a scrub board. And then you had to wring it out. No, rinse it off, wring it out, and hang it up on the line to dry. You know. And then after you've done all that, yeah. you got to take it in the house and iron stuff you see so 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 when you're a kid you've got your pair of pants then you've got your good pair of pants that you don't wear except when you go to sunny school <laughs> and and no shoes wow. in the summertime no shoes because we we couldn't afford them and and when it came to fall then you got your new pair of shoes for school and 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 your new outfit and, and that had to last all year. And that's why I joined Army Cadets, because Army Cadets, when you're 13 years old, they paid you to go to camp, which was 100 bucks for the whole camp. And that 100 bucks used to put all the poor kids, that, that was your school money the next for, the, for, that, for that year. No, so the, the, what, what, the point that I found out, you know, like you asked me about, about uh, learning how to play music and that, I, 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 it was like a job for me. The fiddle player across the field from where we lived found out that I could play guitar and he needed a guitar player, to, to his rhythm. His, he needed a rhythm section. And so he taught me uh, enough to play rhythm. And of course, and that's, uh, that was like two, three hours uh, at, at the party, you know, and maybe sometimes longer, you know, <laughs> and playing, playing fiddle tunes, you know, and there, there were, Pretty, pretty, uh, well, really, really good. It wasn't a jukebox or nothing, right? It was like, no, no, we're playing. We're entertaining these people for two hours. That's it. That's it. Wow. No radio. No, I mean, we had radio, but uh, <clears throat> we never used it for the parties. It was live music. <clears throat> and mm. and if a guy could sing or someone could sing, you know, then we, we played for sing-alongs. But when I went to the Bible camp, they would have campfires. Uh, you know, you'd have the big campfire and then they'd have uh, the guys sing hymns and that. And and fun songs, you know, for kids, you know. Oh, I love, man, I love that Bible camp. It was, it changed my life. It really did. I had no uh, idea. Like, thank you so much for sharing. One, like, I mean, I've learned so much about your, your past. I haven't heard you, like, when did you crack your first joke? I mean, because you're, you've, you've made such a legendary career in comedy. Uh, when did you realize you were funny? Oh, years, years. I was, I was in my late thirties. <laughs> yeah, late thirties. Well, you know, when you're in a, in a band, you don't talk. You know, you play music. You know, the most you say, yeah. if if you dare, you go, hey, what key are we in? You know, you you don't even want to do that. You, you got to have the good enough year to go. Oh, okay, we're playing it. Okay. <laughs> when you know my first band, yeah. we never knew how to count the tune in. <laughs> we would just look at each other. You ready? Okay. Boom. We'd start playing. <laughs> we were we were really the Damn. first punk 
we were really the first punk band, first punk R&B band, because everybody in the band <laughs> were, were, were uh, uh, like football players. Uh, my brother was a football player, semi-pro. Uh, the singer was a, a running back. Uh, the sax player was a guard. Uh, and, and, and we're all colored, you know, we're all brown. And so when we played, then, then uh, when we start, you know, playing gigs, then other musicians would kind of come up and give us a little tip now and then, you know, like we'd hire the yeah. the piano player was usually the guy that knew the music, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was learn on the job, though. But we look good. You see, we're like a punk band. We, we look really good. And so it doesn't matter, but as long as we could get through a tune, you know, we're all like, you look good. Like, you know, like how, were you dressed sharply? Were you have like a ZZ Top vibe or like, what was your thing? Well, you had solid bodies from working out, you know, from doing, uh, from doing football, you know. Right. And, and so, oh, yeah. and, and, the, and the lead singer, he was a clothes uh, guy, you know, he, he, was, he was really sharp, black. Beautiful body, incredible body. I mean, everything, everything, but his personality, everything. He had everything, and the girls, oh, you know. But back in then, that those days, you know, this is Calgary. This is racist Calgary. So that mm. song I wrote, "Does Your Mama Know About Me?" It really, had, it really had some some Ooh. deep meaning back then, because can you oh, imagine yeah. this good-looking black uh, running back? He had them lined up, but they were mostly lined up in the alley and <laughs> hiding from everybody else. <laughs> yeah. And so, so but then when we played dances, you know, every once in a while, because we're surrounded by racists, you know, the whole, the whole uh, Calgary experience, every once in a while, some idiot would cause, you know, say, an insult or insult. It was usually insulting the girls. You know, mm. and and, the, and then and then we would uh, <laughs> like my brother was not only a well he wasn't a natural bass player. <laughs> I I taught him how to play bass because we needed a car <laughs> we, oh, to, to transport us. Car and like car to like hey you can be our bass player. Yeah, yeah car. so so, <laughs> so okay you're 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 we never had a bass player, and we used to play. Both instruments, bass and guitar, out of my little Fender amp. Oh, wow. Yeah, both of them. Because, oh again, we couldn't afford it, uh, stuff, you know. <laughs> and I was lucky to have the amp. Oh, man. But our, our band was, uh, yeah, good-looking guys, you know. But there was, every once in a while, uh, there'd be a, 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 a fight between my brother and the toughest guy in, in the oh, in, yeah. in the. In and the thing, and sometimes our intermission. In fact, I had to break up one fight. You know, my brother was getting beat up. That that's another reason why I broke it up. But it's okay. We got to go back and play. And and, they, and they, everybody respected that. They okay, stop. You know, the band has to go you're back kinda, on stage. <laughs> no shit. You're you're kind of yeah. used to like like being coming up the way you've been. Uh, used to like bullshit. Um, like that's racism that you were dealing with, and then. The Cheech and Chong, your your guys' creation has like that drug stigma about it, but like you've always been yeah. surrounded by bullshit ignorance. Right? Always, always. I mean, that's what you look for. You know that that's that's your uh, your opponent. You know, they play in tennis. You know, that's that that's conflict, 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 conflict. That's what made our other than that. You know, 
there were like a dime a dozen, you know, guys get together that can play music. But how many guys could get together, look good, put on a show, play music, and then, uh, you know, go in the parking lot and battle for a while? You know, that, right? that made us that made it that made us special, and that also made us very attractive uh, to the females. And the females are the ones huh. that make bands popular. You know, they're the ones. You know, they, they're the ones that go, okay, yeah, we like this guy. When we when we were practicing. <laughs> playing guitar uh, my, my first partner was a, a full-blood Sarsi n- native Indian and uh, and he would do Elvis impersonations he didn't look anything like Elvis but he'd comb his hair a certain way and put on the collar and then he'd, he'd do that curl his lip and the girls would go crazy and so we would and, and at the time you know I was young 13, 14 and so I'd have to take the bus across Calgary and sometimes with a guitar amp and my guitar or his guitar, actually. And we uh, I'd take the bus and then have to walk about a, a mile with carrying the amp and the guitar. And then I get to his place and then we would play nonstop all that day, go to bed, get up in the morning, reach over, grab the guitar and start playing again and play all day. And and then we'd have uh, he, he he had you know girls <laughs> he'd uh, or the girls would phone in hi Dick what, hey listen to this listen to this put the phone down and then we'd forget the phone was there <laughs> and we we'd play for two hours and then pick up the phone and go hey, and they would still be there oh that sounded oh. great I love it. <laughs> it wow the crazy time you playing gigs at thirteen uh playing gigs just. Just uh, just house parties, uh, you know, mm. the, for the fiddle player. Uh, but no, I never started playing gigs until, I, oh, actually, I was 15, 16, about, about 15 years old when I got my first gig. And that's funny, wow. too, because we, uh, we got hired to open for the four nights. One of the pop groups or the black groups that had a song called Oh Baby Mine. I get so lonely when I dream about you. Dream, you know that that song, and so they were playing in Lethbridge. That was two about yeah, close to two hundred miles uh, south of Calgary. But it was a gig, and so we, my mom and dad, they drove they drove me down. They're all excited, you know, I'm going to get my first professional gig, and so they yeah. drove me down, and they they got out and they sat in the audience, and and nobody showed up. Hardly anybody. A few people showed up. Uh, the promoter was kind of terrible, I guess. And so anyway, we we did our show, and, and my mom and dad, they were happy. And, and then, then the main act was going to take a while to get on, so my mom and dad dad had to go back to work. So so they left. They went back to Calgary. And so after the gig, you know, we're hanging around waiting to, for the promoter to, to pay us. And then <laughs> next thing you know, the, the clo- <laughs> they closed the, the venue. Lock the doors and go. Hey, where's the promoter? Oh, he left. He left a long time ago. Oh, <laughs> so we got man. so we got stiff. We got stiff for all the money that we're supposed to make, and we're standing on the on the upside, two hundred miles from from home. And so <laughs> so we so we got on the on the highway. Oh, back then you hitchhiked. You know there was no there's no bus. There's no taxi. There was no yeah. Uber. Oh you, you get out there. You get out there. 
and hitchhike. So we, so we, so we had to hitchhike back, uh, and, and it was like in the middle of the night, and we got a ride. You know, that's that's the way everything works. So drove us right to our houses. That, that's how cool the guy was. Yeah. Wow. Well, it seems like life worked out for you. <laughs> it always does, but you know, and, and I try to tell people, see, to be successful, you got to have. Uh, focus on what you're doing and okay if you get cheated that's so what like they did you know it wasn't about the money we didn't go down there for the money obviously we went down there for experience to play in front of people now if you got paid that was a bonus and and like in that case you know i mean we weren't bitching about it at all we were so excited man we played on stage you know we had we had a real microphone in front of us you know all that stuff awesome. that sounds amazing it, it seems like your parents were very supportive in everything you did like each step of uh just got everything. you out of the slums and all the, the shit that you were out of man that, yeah that's amazing. everything everything well my dad the, the thing was see i knew i don't know instinct or or my my spiritual training <laughs> but I knew that in order to, to have anything, you must either create work for it somehow. You have to pay with your labor, or with your love, with your attention. You have to pay. You just don't get things given to you without earning them. And if you do, then they're not really yours. You know, you're you're actually stealing. And 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 the thing is. And this is what I learned early. You, you don't want to steal because that really is a test to whether the universe is going to be kind to you or they're going to teach you a lesson. That, that, that's the whole thing. And so in our physical world, we got that temptation in front of us all the time, all the time. That's the energy that you use in order to make it. You know, you use that energy, you use that. You never got paid. Okay, well, next time we'll 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 do it better. You know, but didn't we play? Didn't we have fun? Yeah. Didn't we hear try some songs? Didn't we hear ourselves for the first time? That was more important. That was way more important. And that's the way it's always been with my whole career. You know, when we when we signed with Motown, I mean. You know, we, we basically, we, we got cheated because that's the nature of, of, of making it. You know, you got to pay those dues. And, but I, I came out of it. I mean, I never got paid a, a ton of money at a motel, but I got a green card. <laughs> I mean, I, I, they gave me the ability to, to become a movie director, a movie star. <laughs> I couldn't have done that. I couldn't have done that without a green card. Motown comes in. What year did I find to Motown able to get uh, a visa, well, a green card, like a, a license to come into America? Yeah, yeah. And 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 it wasn't Motown said, "Hey, I'm going to give you a green card." It was the immigration that said, "Hey, you need a green card. You want to stay here?" And I go to Motown. Mm. Motown goes, uh, "What's a green card?" You know, but. <laughs> I mean that that no that that's how you that's how you do do things you know just like when when I was casting movies you know I noticed that New York actors always got the part and so I started kind of 
studying them a little bit, you know, figuring out why, why do New York actors always get the part? And it's because they're from New York. If you snooze, you lose in New York, man. If you're standing there waiting for the light to change you, you might get trampled, you know, because yeah. there's no yeah. traffic. People are going to go, you know. And, and, and so when, when New York actors, uh, when they audition for something, they don't just go show up and audition. They do their homework. They find out who the director is, who the writer is. Then they show up a day early. And then the casting mm. director says, "Oh, I'm sorry, you're 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 booked here for tomorrow," and and then the casting director will say, uh, "What's your name again?" And so when you do show up the next day, the casting director knows you, and they, "Oh, hi, yeah, well, uh, you're on time. Uh, well, well, come on in," and 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 so you already got a little edge on everybody. Now, if you know who the writer is, and if you know the script, and if you've memorized it already, then they're going, they're impressed. They go, wow, this guy came prepared. And so they may, they may say, well, we don't need you for this part, but how about we put him on, you know, and then next thing you know, that's yeah. how stars are made. That's how you do it, you see. Mm. And you do that with, with life. You know, you, you show up a day early, and yeah. be prepared. <laughs> you know, that, Do you that, have a an anecdote? Do you have a vignette of this from your career? Like where in the because you've you've got a storied career, decades long. Uh, where did you use this tactic uh, to get some particular role? Well, not me, because I, you know I, I I wouldn't have got a role <laughs> because yeah. I'm not a trained actor. <laughs> <laughs> but but I am a director because. I know what I want to see and, uh, and I know how we can make everything better. See what the, the strength that I had, uh, and, and there's a few Robert Altman, you know, when he did his movies, he had the same kind of energy. What it is, I, I grew up in improv theater and improv theater. You get on stage, someone throws a, a, a thing at you and then you have to create with that, that premise and so when i started doing movies uh, I, we used the same that's the only technique we learned uh and so so that's uh and, and i wasn't i never invented anything but it was already being done by that you, you know one of the 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 most knowledgeable uh, film directors uh, in my time uh was a comedian uh, jerry lewis you know martin and lewis uh, Jerry Lewis, you know, he did that. He was the first did that. Uh, the what's that? Uh, the professor that Eddie the Murphy professor. did. Yeah, the Nutty professor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I didn't like. I didn't like that. Eddie Murphy's version he didn't like, or the the original one. <laughs> oh, I, I, either one. I didn't like either. <laughs> shit. But but, but uh, Jerry Lewis, he was the first to use video assist you know, hmm. with his movies, because he was in them so much. He started using them when the video camera came out. Jerry, Jerry was on top of, he was, he was like the computer nerds now, you know, he was the yeah. first to have every, every gadget gimmick there was, you know. And, yeah. uh, and so I learned a lot of Jerry as a director. Hmm. Now my comedy, I learned how to be funny by being in a band playing in black clubs. Oh. Because all the black clubs always had a floor show. 
To this day, I think they still do. They, okay, ladies and gentlemen, floor show time. And, and because a lot of their clientele, they, they weren't dancers, they weren't movers, groovers. They were older people. They, 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 they like to be entertained. Yeah. And so it's an old, uh, like an African uh, uh, tradition, you know, where the elders or, or the people, it's all verbal. Mm. And so they get, when they have gatherings, you know, food or whatever, there's always the one speaker or the one performer gets up and entertains. And so when the black clubs started, uh, same thing. You always had a, a comedian. You always had a dancer. Well, mm -hmm. for the most part, a stripper. And, and, and yeah. then, you had, then you had the band, the dance band. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until Elvis came along that where the singer was an entertainer before Elvis, you know, like Frank Sinatra, oh. they would stand still, mm -hmm. you know, they kind of stand still <laughs> with the mic, right. you know, and just sing, you know, because wow. the band, the band was supposed to be the star, you see, mm. and, and, the Elvis, itself. and Elvis got his, his start from Bo Diddley, mm. hmm. Bo Diddley. When he, when uh, Bo Diddley would put on his show, <laughs> you know what? In fact, I, I was doing bits about this uh, when I was doing my stand up that the black musicians, <laughs> almost all their songs had double entendre meaning to all their lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was all about getting laid, yeah. it was all about making love. <laughs> It was all about Bo Diddley. It was right. all about right. your your wife cheating on you, or you cheating on your on your right. on your wife. That's what their songs about. Like the Mona, tell you Mona what I'm gonna do, do 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 do. Build my house next door to you, do do do. <laughs> can I see you sometime? Do, do. We can blow kisses through the blind. Oh Mona, that was. A song about his uh, his his mistress, his girlfriend, mm, yeah. and okay, ah, and all the black songs. And when I, I when I realized that, oh man, and when so when they would perform, they would be all sexy. And Bo Diddley, man, he would throw his hips around. He'd he'd do all those moves. Elvis was a big fan. Elvis saw that and goes, "Hey, oh. I can do that. And I can culturally stole... misappropriate that." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, now I have the honor of seeing Bo Diddley at a blues festival. Yeah, every 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 uh, no, but then you know the trouble is now we we get to see those black heroes way at their twilight of their career. You know, like like uh, I, yeah, T Bone Walker. I saw T Bone Walker at his height of his career. Now you talk about a showman, oh, this yeah. guy, an alcoholic. But check what oh, he man. could do. Check what he could do. He could not only play the hell out of the guitar because he invented a lot of the, the blues riffs that are still being done, mm -hmm. but he would play the guitar, put it behind his neck, play it behind his neck, then go down into a split. Oh my goodness. Whole body split and mm -hmm. then come up with oh the God. guitar still behind his neck and then bend over backwards, pick up a, a glass of whiskey with his teeth bent over backwards, still playing. And stand up and drink the whiskey. Oh. <laughs> and at the end of his career, he was such an alcoholic man he couldn't even <laughs> he couldn't walk without help. 
Yeah. But that's something else because like that that style of playing continued. Like Jimi Hendrix would play behind his head, Steve Ray Vaughan yeah. would play behind his head, you know, for decades. And I didn't know that it went all the way back to you said T Bone? T Bone Walker. T Bone Walker started all that stuff, man. So you couldn't just that's show up on, on, on the gig and just play. No, you had to do the splits, you had to do the dance, you had to do all that stuff, man. So then and that's it. Did this yeah. exposure in those clubs, as you said, that's where you learned your comedy stylings. Did oh. that influence your guys' albums when it came out? Because there was there was a lot of music in your album. Oh, like, yeah. Like songs and stuff. So. Oh, yeah. Well, you take uh, 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 Basketball Jones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Basketball Jones was a, a rhythm and blues song called Love Jones. I got a Love Jones, baby. <laughs> 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 and and, yeah. and one day we're we're riding to uh, the Laker game with Jack Nicholson, and Jack is very impatient. You know he doesn't like <laughs> to he doesn't like to to follow any rules. You know because he's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> so, so we're driving to the Laker game, and Jack goes down the wrong side of the road, oh, and good. he's going very fast, and and Cheech is in the back seat. Oh, shit. And he's nervous, and, and instead of singing Love Jones, he's going, I got basketball Jones, I got basketball Jones. And, uh, and so the next day, uh, I, we went home, I wrote the lyrics, and, and we did the basketball Jones. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's a great story to hear about, like, a, one of your, your skits. Your, your, uh, what's it like to have created, like, things people say over and over like you know like you've made an impression in american culture to cheech and chong is a thing like what's it yeah what, it's a language you know yeah yeah that's how yeah. you communicate yeah there are mm. so many people they talk cheech and chong you know they all sorts of little catchphrases that we we've over the years that people put in there um oh yeah our first album you know we we did a whole bit about Jesus trying to go into Mexico because for a while there they wouldn't let any long-haired hippies in Mexico <laughs> and so we, we did that that was one of our first no bits. Kidding. oh man we touched on everything because we, we were we never had a producer you know I produced if anybody you know and, and so it was like sure open, open season on everything you know, we just we just let it let it loose, and the music was really our love because Cheech always was he's he was a singer from way back, but he would learn you know he'd learn how to sing like Johnny Mathis, Frank Sinatra, you know he, he could do all these voices you know when he was a yeah. kid, and he's he's still uh, he's still to this day you know he's he, he's he's like a well, do you know he was a Jeopardy champion? You know that, huh? Cheech was a Jeopardy. No, no, that's yeah. Me. Cheech was the first. <laughs> Cheech was the first uh, celebrity, celebrity uh, champion. And, and you know who he beat? <laughs> Embarrassed. Uh -uh. Anderson Anderson Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the front door. That's awesome. Yeah. Isn't that's that something? What? So, so Cheech. You both are okay. So Cheech, he's. Uh, he he's got this incredible talent, like he, he he's a mimic. He can mime anybody, and uh, yeah, it was it was weird. And I, I had to dig it out of him, you know, in in a way because he was he was trying to be like still still now, you know. He he he'd 
he he likes to be a, an artist. You know, he, he he calls himself an art. I'm just cleaning up the floor here while I'm talking to you. I put, oh, my, good, I put my foot in a, in a doggy dish and I knocked the water all over. <laughs> what kind of dog? Oh, I was just What's asking that? what oh, type what of dog. Kind, yeah. What kind of dog? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little poodle. Right on. When people ask me what, 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 what kind of poodle is he, I say, he's a shih tzu lot. You know, I, I was thinking because you guys, uh, uh, you and Mr. Marine, uh, uh, always been talking about doing comebacks and whatnot. And I know you guys are now friends again and, and life's better. I had the honor of seeing you guys with war out here at Marymore. Uh, oh, you right. guys still got it. Oh, you funny as fuck. You guys, <coughs> wow. Um, totally like the old skits you brought up into new, uh, relevant terms and everything. And, uh, I, was, I really want to just pitch this to you. Did you ever think about like doing like a, cause the pandemic has created like this new world where I get to talk to Tommy Chung and, 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 and on my weird uh, podcast, did you ever think of like doing like a, like a, like a Cheech and Chong, uh, just a oh. zoom call, like a weird, cause you guys are funny. No, no as- kidding. Come on, <laughs> come on. There's so much humor. Oh my God. No, no. Cheech and I would go crazy if, if, if we were doing, doing the records and stuff now i you know i i I thought about it in fact i get all excited about it but uh i i realized that we're we're not those guys anymore you know he uh he he's had a couple of knee replacements Mm -hmm. and 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 i'm i'm getting to that uh to the point where 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 it, it sounded like a good idea when I was stoned, you know, one yeah. of those things. But yeah. no, it, it uh, oh. it's passed us by. It, it, it's passed. Oh, although I'll tell you one thing. Uh, uh, I did a movie called uh, Color Out of Space, mm-hmm. and uh, and they were impressed with my serious acting chops. And so uh, there's a script out now that's being shopped around looking for a director uh and it's uh kind of a serious uh cheech and chong kind of like uh, post reunion uh you know sort of like almost retiring kind of thing it it it, it, we don't play ourselves we play characters Hmm. but but you can see the, the similarities between the characters. Uh, I, I'm looking at that. I, I kind of like that because it it just cries of awards, you know, oh. uh, you know, Academy Award, the Screen Actors Guild, you know, the whole the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and so we got that, but we more important, we got a, a documentary made mm. by my my daughter and my uh, son-in-law, and he uh, and they together. They've been working on it for like five years now, and uh, and it's it's really uh, it it's beyond documentary. It, it's it, it, especially with the with the drugs being legal and everything. You know, we're, we're, we 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 had it was finished about almost finished about a couple of years ago, but mm-hmm. the timing wasn't right. You know, and then the pandemic hit. And so now we're we're going to shoot the an ending to it, and uh, so we got that. And and then teaching, we want to concentrate on our our dispensaries that we're going to open 
you know, that we're and we're going to start in Palm Springs, and then yeah. we're going to go. We're going to. Uh, what are yeah. can you can you describe like what are what's the Cheech and Chong dispensary called? What's its vision? Well, it's called a dispensaria. So we got a little Spanish uh, word in there. It, it'll carry the top of the line cannabis products. Our, 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 our model will be, you know, we're the, you know, like they have fine wine stores. Mm -hmm. Well, we're, we're going to be the fine weed store, you know, and, and our only claim to fame will be the, the best of the best, you see. And, and, and so we're going to, we're going to go for quality and uh, as opposed to quantity. And we're going to, uh, rather than have everybody jammed into one store, we're going to have multi multi stores around to service everybody, because the thing is, what I found out with with, uh, with the cannabis, it, it it it's more of a, an essential medicine mm. for so many people, and and they're not the you know, the type of people that can jump in a car and drive twenty miles, or you know, they're the kind of people that are stay home close to home with caretakers, mm -hmm. and uh, and so we want to service that want to help the population with with, yeah. with the cannabis you know it's not about uh, making you know it's not like selling coors beer you know yeah you know and, and it kind of pissed me off when they when they when they all of a sudden they go oh recreation cannabis you know because all there's all, all the government is really saying is that, oh no we can tax the shit out of this stuff mm. now you know yeah. by calling it recreation you know, or by controlling the number of licenses and they make the, the stuff so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, they're trying to make money before the weed people make money. You know, that's not the way it goes here, guys. You know, you can do that with cigarettes. You can do that with alcohol, with alcohol because you need that additive in order to make it, uh, uh, you know, addictive, you know, because cigarettes, they, they wouldn't be selling more shit if they didn't put a, uh, the nicotine in them to make it addictive yeah. and, and make it dangerous and make it killing people. You know, can you imagine how many people have died from cigarette smoke? And, and I'm not talking about the, even the smokers, the, the secondhand smoke. You know, I personally was involved when I was a, a young guy. Uh, we had these this couple staying at our house and, and our house was notorious for house parties you know and and at house parties back then in the 50s you sm everybody smoked everybody smoked oh, cigarettes man. that had a smell so bad the next morning oh so bad, but listen you know? but but the saddest thing one time uh we were taking care of the, the a baby and the, and the baby died oh. from the secondhand smoke and uh yeah and, and it was so sad and, and and there was no inquest no corner nothing like that just bury the little guy and and, and move on with your life <laughs> but but it was all cigarette smoke yeah. and this was this was encouraged by the government the government oh yeah, yeah. all the doctors tell you to smoke and they lie to you and same as the alcohol they do the same thing with alcohol. Oh yeah, you know, Bud, Budweiser this and Coors that, you know. And, Responsible, and, and, moderate use. I mean, they they and, have that yeah. <laughs> yeah, and not and, and, and look at look, look look at the since this pandemic, man. I don't think there you've had that many uh, ridiculous uh, drunk driving incidences that we yeah we 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 were remember New Year's. There was roadblocks. 
to to oh, catch God, people. Yes. Yeah, New Year's, <laughs> and and they expect everybody. And so, what do you do? New Year's, like in Canada, you, you go to the liquor store and you right. you load up. You don't just buy a bottle. You you buy a carload of, of booze, bring it home, yeah. stick it under your bed. And, and, and then your friends come over and then they get drunk and go home and kill someone in the car. It, it, it's so crazy. And now, now we're, we're a weed society. Right? <laughs> yes. Every, everything is, <laughs> everything. Now, there, there's no, <laughs> you know, when they busted me, <laughs> they, they, they had the trial on uh, 9-11. Oh God! Nine eleven was when they were going to sentence. Wow! And what they did, they were expecting a huge crowd, so they they moved my sentencing into the large courtroom so they could accommodate all the protesters they were expecting. One guy showed up with a sign that said "free free marijuana." Now I don't know if he was saying oh, Jesus. we should free the laws of marijuana or. He was giving away free marijuana. I couldn't figure that out. But that was the protest at my sentencing. It was embarrassing for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. The judges sitting way up there, <laughs> empty courtroom. They they get me up there and, and they try to make an example out of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, your prosecution should have been an embarrassment for them anyways. Yeah. Because oh. they railroaded you. That wasn't your company. That was your son. No. And your wife and... No. And by the yeah. way, I, I, uh, I had a chance to get pardoned by Obama because Cheech, uh, Cheech went there for an award. You know, he got an award for being a Mexican or something. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, so Cheech asked him. And, and Obama said, of course, he knew who Cheech and John were. But I turned it down because I didn't, I don't want to be pardoned for something I'm innocent of, you know? Yeah. And so what I want to do, I figured out what I want to do. I want to have, I want to be exonerated. I want to go to court and I want to say, your honor, I want to uh, change my plea to not guilty because, uh, you know, we have proofs that I was definitely not guilty and you know i'm not expecting uh, you know any kind of reparation or any kind of money for 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 that I'm, i gladly served my time i'm glad what happened but uh i was and still am innocent of the charge and besides it's legal now so, so it's it's there but i i i don't want to do that pardon thing where I got to be sorry for my crime. Yeah. Because I'm not. No. I'm not sorry. <laughs> right? But yeah. do you think they came after you because of uh, how the FBI was portrayed and, you know, Sergeant Sedenko, like the whole, like, do you think that's why they, they, they were like, that? F this guy? They they said wow. that in the, in, in the, in the, in the uh, documents, you know, in the court filings, they said that I made a lot of money making fun of law enforcement. Like that's a bad thing. Right. <laughs> like there's, well, they're like literally trying to suppress free speech. It's like, yeah. well, they were making fun of us. We'll show them by punishing them with a crime. It's like, wait, that's right. This is that's America. Right. This isn't China. This is America. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. I just like 
did they railroad you, but they had to work really hard because the whole thing was about a bomb getting sent to Pennsylvania. Like, like, yeah. If one state, like everybody was trying to avoid that state, uh, my favorite piece of glasses by Jerome Baker, like is the only one I had yeah. that was caught up in the same Operation Pipe Dreams. And uh, same thing. But yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no. The, oh, by the way, Jerome Baker is now making uh, Tommy Chong bombs. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like we, we, the pre-secret we, world, the world came around. That's right. That's right. We got we we hooked up together right after uh, I got out. He was on on house arrest, and he got everything taken out from him, and I got everything. And so we we got together, and uh, and I and I told him because he liked the idea of a million dollar bong, and that's what we're making. We're making a million dollar bong, and everybody goes, "What's wow. it look like? What's it look like?" I says, <clears throat> "You got to have a million dollars to find out." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna catch twenty two. Oh right my there. god, I was there for the. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say I was there when. Oh, good. No, go ahead. Is Tommy gotta go. Oh, okay. I was just gonna oh. say I was there for the uh, the blowing up the biggest bong in Jerome Baker Studios. They were doing up out here in Washington, and yeah. a uh, the glass experience is an amazing. If you guys ever get a chance to watch blown glass, it's it's like a ballet inside where it's a uh, three hundred degrees. It's amazing. Oh, it is. It's incredible. Uh, we had our, our own uh, factory. And, you know, when they busted me, the feds went into the factory and broke all the bombs they could find. Broke them. Just destruction of property. Yeah. Yeah. For no reason. For no other than some bogus charge that they were trying to lay on me. And see, yeah, what we did, we, we caught them. Like the Vietnam War, you know, we, we, we caught them in a lie, you know. There was the only reason yeah. that, that they go to war was for the oil to drive the oil prices up, you know, for the oil producing company countries. As long as you got a, a war, you need oil, but not anymore yeah. because we got electricity now. And so even if we go to war, we don't need that oil. And and uh, we need to do it with plastic and hemp can help us do it with right? plastic. And then we won't need that plastic. We won't need exactly. that oil. You know? And we don't we don't need to fight anybody. That's right. You know, people are people are saying, uh, uh, you know, oh, the, the the thing at the border, you know, the the crisis at the border. Of course, they're coming here. This is where the food is. This is where freedom is. This is where you can have a life. Is you know, you're not going to be hounded by by gangsters. And, and our know? drug war is causing a lot of the power that those gangsters have. Yep. So like that's right. Kind of contributing to it with our cocaine laws and with our marijuana that's right. laws and that's with our heroin ex- laws. Exactly. Yeah. See, back in the day, they they cocaine was considered a medicine. Uh, heroin was was a medicine. <laughs> it still is. Yep. Uh, you know, if you're, so. if you're ter- terminally ill, you're going to uh, definitely get a taste of uh, some kind of heroin derivative. Uh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> we're 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 actually going back to where when when the the there were no drug laws, you know, and and that's what people ask me, you know, how come how yeah. come it's taken yeah, so where long? People could treat themselves. Well, the reason it's taken so long for us to 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 uh, legalize it is because uh, back in the day, America paid countries to eradicate marijuana. It was a treaty. They all signed. 
No, they all have to. First of all, America has to rescind that law, you know, take it off the books. And then the countries can go back to producing their the crops that they used to produce for thousands of years, uh, which is high grade uh, hash, marijuana, you know, ganja, whatever you want to call it. And 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 we're we're good to go. No, it's we're 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 in the best shape. Now they also asked me about uh, Biden. You know, he's firing guys uh, that had marijuana use in that. Now I don't know the story. I was yeah. with uh, a Biden uh, uh, person last night, and uh, and and she 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 has no idea. But I'm guessing is that they're getting so close to legalizing the the um, the pot, you know, federally. Mm-hmm. They're getting really close to that in the banking mm-hmm. that they yeah. they want to they don't want to have any skeletons in their in their in their in the in the office with with past drug you know so, so anybody can say oh this is you know this is why you're doing it because because you got all these pot heads you know in, in mm. the in the administration that could be it that could be it but again you know Biden had that law saying that. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you should go to jail if you uh, yep. take a, a paraphernalia across the state. Right. But then that's the thing, like Biden in the 94 drug yeah. laws and on the, the tough on crime. Like he was in the Senate when all that stuff really came on and those draconian yeah. laws that you might have. been. And he hasn't he, he hasn't changed his view. I mean, he's still the same Biden and his son, yeah. Hunter, is a recovering addict, you know. So so all that is still there. And, and you got to you got to, uh, you know, uh, understand at least his, his stance on, 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 on weed, you know, uh, but, but I think no we, matter. Need to, like, we need to have that, that conversation on a national level about addiction and about the relative harms of the specific substance we're talking about. They like to throw all yeah. these drugs in a pile and say, Oh, drugs, slippery slope, start with marijuana, you go to heroin. And it's like, no, that is, that is not only wrong. That is, that is harmful to our society by us conflating all this thing. This is what cocaine does. This is what heroin does. I mean, and so if we have this honesty and this, you know, that could be in policy, that's going to do great things for our trust in government and law enforcement. But I don't know if we'll ever get there, man. But I really oh, yeah. want to thank you so much for coming on the show and telling us all this wisdom. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Well, you know. You're amazing, sir. <laughs> One thing about old guys, you know. <laughs> You get us talking, man. It's, yeah. You got to say, okay, that's all Cut. <laughs> Tommy, thank well, you thank so you. much for joining us today. Uh, please come back anytime. We'd love to have you back. I'd love to be back. Okay, thank you, darling. Thanks. Bye-bye. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We will see you on Wednesday.